in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, so after uh, the Roxanne, uh, Roxanne Claudine Gay fiasco at Harvard University, uh, copycat had no business being president of Harvard, did not do all the things you're supposed to do to be a president of a university like that. You got to publish multiple books. You got to publish like, you know, certain papers in this journal and that journal. Uh, she didn't do any of that stuff. All right. The, her big claim to fame was that she was quite frankly an average black woman. All right. That was kind of it. Um, and, uh, promoted wildly above her ability. And, uh, it's too bad. You know what they should do is find the black woman she copied from. <laughs> okay. Uh, there is a black woman that she copied from. Now take a look at her credentials. Again, when you focus on the outside, you will, uh, you're going to screw yourself. Like Trump says, you will go demented when you go woke. By the way, wasn't Roger Stone cool? I really enjoy talking to him. Uh, I'll have to have him back. I actually could talk to him for hours about, all that Nixon stuff and uh, today, what's going on, and clothes. The man knows how to dress. Um, you know, I was I saw that guy. This happens every now and then. It's happened more than once. I see somebody coming down the street, and I'm like, uh-oh, who is this guy? This guy's famous. Wait, oh, I'm trying to think of his name now. Wait, he's a senator. No, he's a governor. Wait a second. No, he's some sports guy. Nope. He's just some guy in a suit. <laughs> that's all. That's the only thing that's making him stand out right now. Because nobody wears suits anymore, right? Everybody's walking around in their pajamas. Um, but, uh, well, Trump still wears a suit. Uh, let's see here. I wear a suit on a video. Uh, uh, and Roger Stone wears a suit. A lot of people are not wearing suits anymore. I get it. I mean, it's kind of not necessary. But um, when is when is dressing up actually necessary? It's not. We do it because we like to do it or because... We want to show people that we gave a damn, right? That you know, there's still something to be said for it. A lot of things are just, just flying away. Just, uh, you know, I was talking to somebody about the Epstein list, the new Epstein list, and somebody said, "Well, you know, just because they're on the list doesn't mean such and such." And I guess it doesn't mean such and such. But let's go through it. You know, we don't have too many taboos in society anymore, right? We really don't. One of them for most of us, remains uh, sexualizing children. That should not happen, right? That's taboo. That is total taboo. But you got people uh, really loosening the standards, loosening it all up, right? Even Joe Biden saying things like, you know, to every transgender child in America, I'll always have your back. What is that even? Why are you even thinking about transgender children? What does the federal government have to do with transgender kids in bathrooms? That is so beyond his job description. Maybe he goes there because he likes going there. I mean, seriously, the fetish, it's a fetish almost. Why does the New York Times keep writing about gender and children and transgender? Someone over there must have a fetish. People at that level seem to have a fetish. Now, when it comes to the list, yeah, just because you were on Epstein's plane doesn't mean you were a, uh, a pedophile. It does mean if you were on that plane after 2006 or went to his townhouse for a birthday party after 2006, that means um, you are, you are, how do I put this? You're weird. All right. I'm not saying you did anything, but you, you, you went there for a free meal. There are certain things I won't do anymore. Right. I mean, he had sex with children. 
I think that's uh, okay. Good luck on your own. Good luck over there. I, I can't have dinner with you anymore. But people like George Stephanopoulos went to his house and had dinner. George Stephanopoulos claimed that he did not know what was uh, what he had been convicted of. George Stephanopoulos gets paid $25 million a year. That's like $500,000 a week. <laughs> to tell the truth? Is it, or $500,000 a month? How much is that? It's Yeah, it's $500,000 a week. A week. Um, Jeff wants to say something about that martini. I really did think it sounded delicious as well. Um, hello, Jeff. Well, never mind. Hello, Andrew. The last time you called, you had some attitude on you, to be honest. I thought about it once or twice since you called. Anything you want to say to me? No, but a positive attitude was that, uh, just want to say quick with the uh, President Gay and the flag that many, of course, African-American people. Uh, to be honest, I think you owe me an apology. <laughs> Sorry, I don't even remember to tell you the truth what what was said on the last one. You know, I, I guess if it upset you because you're a nice guy, then I definitely said something wrong. So I apologize. All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I wasn't sure. You, you I, I thought that you may have said it by accident and you didn't mean it. So fair enough. We don't have to dwell on it. All right. So uh, what's your, go ahead. Black Lives Matter group or Antifa, and they were going through the neighborhood, and there was a huge flag, American flag, and they went towards that house, and it was an African-American guy. He came out, and they were still going towards his house. Then he walked back in, and he came out with a shotgun, and he was like, keep walking. <laughs> so they, they turned tail and ran. So she's wrong. Many, As you know, like obviously many African-Americans are extremely patriotic, and I, that's my main point. And I just want to say with the mayor, Rush Limbaugh would use his theorem about Obama that Obama could never do any policies that were wrong, that it was always someone else's fault, and he's fighting against dark forces. So with the mayor, it's the same attitude that he never does anything wrong. It's Abbott's fault. You know, it's the previous administration that he's never wrong. It was Biden. So he's always fighting against these forces, but he never makes a mistake. He's never wrong. So it just reminds me of Obama, the computer, the website doesn't work for Obamacare. Hey, I'm going to make them pay. Like, he's never wrong. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Hey, by the way, I I heard this the other day, you know, Eric Adams. I was wondering, well, what the hell did he do as a cop? You know what he was? He was a computer programmer in the transit department. He just, he he worked on computers and IT stuff. Hey, that's fine. I hear he wasn't that good at that stuff either. So, uh, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't chasing bad guys. He wasn't saving people. It was all a big scam, just like he is right now. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He says whatever it takes to be on television for a little while. He really should have gone into uh, TV, reality TV or something like that, uh, not public service, because it's not public service. It's all about uh, it's all about Ewick. Uh Oh, Barbara. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi, Greg. I heard the uh, the uh, comments about Michelle Obama being the possible nominee. Uh, for the Democrats, and I don't think it matters. I think that that party has proven themselves to be so consistently anti-American, anti-Constitution, anti-God, that the guidelines are very clearly set. Whosoever face is is there at the top of the ticket, I I don't think it really matters. Well, um, it doesn't really matter. Like, what do you mean it doesn't matter? Like, uh, uh, take that a little further. I mean, my concern 
my calculation, my calculus is centers on Trump. How does it affect him? How is it going to impact the campaign, getting him back? Are people going to buy her nonsense just like they bought Obama's nonsense? I think we're all wise to them now, but not everybody. Well, I don't think that she is the glib orator that Obama was. Um, you you show often how he made his speech about the uh, families um, uh, in the black community not having two parents and how important that is and how important it is for a black child to be accepted if they like to read and they like to study and so forth. And he did an immediate pivot and you never heard that from him again. And he's very glib and very agile and she is not. And excuse me, how it affects Trump. People know Trump for what he is. I believe more than half of the uh, votes were cast for Trump in the last election. And I don't think that that's going to change. I don't think there were many people in the last election who voted for Trump for reasons other than they believed in what he has to say. They saw his very genuine um, care for America and America's liberties. And that's why they voted for him. And Michelle Obama at the head of the ticket is not going to change that. Uh, yeah, no, listen, I have my doubts about that last election, too. I really do. Michelle, uh, you know, Obama isn't as glib as we give him credit for. Take his teleprompter away, and he's kind of lost. He isn't that slick, and he really takes a long time to say anything. It's like not much content, but it takes him a hell of a He talks slow. And some people have figured out, yeah, if you talk slow and you talk in a certain way, it seems like whatever you have to say is of great consequence for our nation. Um, thank you, Barbara, very, very much. I don't know if you were watching some of the videos I put out, but uh, this January 6th stuff and the January 6th uh, anniversary, three years, is Saturday. Joe Biden is going to go and try to exploit the hilt out of it again with a special speech where he'll slam half the country as a threat to democracy. Um, the January 6th scam. I just uncovered some pretty big clues, though. I got them from the January 6th star witnesses themselves. I mean, the infatuation with them being women, women, women. Remember, I talked about that yesterday. And there's something very goofy about I'm talking about Cassidy Hutchinson. I'm talking about Sarah Matthews. These are the star uh, witnesses at the January 6th hearings. And you're going to be seeing a lot more of them. And there's just something rotten about the whole thing. Uh, let's see here. Mm, listen to this. Cut 18. And Cassie, you faced, I mean, you lost friends and all of that, but, I mean, you faced death threats. I mean, you, you, you had to leave town and get security. I moved to Atlanta for several I mean, months. I, mean, you had- I moved to Atlanta for several months. You can't see it, but she's smiling ear to ear. Like, beyond, she is reveling in the attention, in the hair, in the makeup, and being on television which I found out was her girlhood dream. Nothing wrong with that. But, uh, yeah, she used to show up at the Good Morning America show and stand in the background to hope to be on TV. And now she's on TV. And she didn't have to do what I did, like some schmuck, move to this town, that town, another town, carry my own camera at New York One, right? I mean, I slugged it out. Why not just take a shortcut, make millions of dollars, say what they want to hear, and look good doing it? That's their big That's their big calling card. These are attractive women saying nothing. Cassidy Hutchinson, star January 6th witness on the ABC This Week show. Cut 19. There was never a second guess of whether it was right or wrong. And to this day, 
I truly believe I, I gained so much more than I lost. I, I gained a whole new sense of community, a whole new sense of leadership, a different perspective on how our government should be run and what a responsible president actually looks like, but also on how perilous this moment we're facing as a country is. It, it's a fascinating thing to actually watch. Now, there's a, there's a little bit of truth in there. I gained so much more than I lost. Yeah, a book deal, millions of dollars, fame, community. you got liberals all over the world, benefactors now all over the place who want to hear from you, you nitwit. 24 years old, her first job out of college is the White House. Attention, White House, Trump White House, any White House. They all actually rely on a bunch of 20-somethings. Those days should be over. You can see how goofy. I mean, look, I was I wasn't as goofy as this. What was I doing when I was 24? I was in the military. They talk about these women like they're guardians of democracy. The whole thing started with these young women, brave, brave, brave. You have that from yesterday, too, when uh, Liz Cheney saying they're so brave, they're so this, they're so that. Now they're just a bunch of goofy, giggly girls. Cut 20. From there, they were, uh, you know, you were able to meet in the basement of the Capitol and with, with, with Liz Cheney. Yeah. So, in that little, she had a little basement yeah, office, yeah. no windows, <laughs> down an unmarked corridor. I, it was all very wires secretive. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, it was all very secretive, too. <laughs> it was a lot of fun coming together for that January 6th stuff, wasn't it? Cut 21. After I resigned from um, the Trump administration, I ended up going back to Capitol Hill. Hey, stop for a second. On this one is uh, after she resigned from the Trump administration, like she was Secretary of State. She worked in the... This is Sarah Matthews. She was like a she was one of the staffers in the press office. She watched the thing on TV. Keep going with that. Capital help for a Republican there and kind of had resumed a seemingly normal life. And um, it wasn't until Alyssa reached out and said the January 6th committee is interested in talking with you. Interested in talking to people who have nothing to lose and might be very, very pliable. One more cut 22, please. I honestly thought that that was going to be the end of it. I thought that, mm-hmm. mm, you know what, I don't have anything that's super compelling. I didn't talk to the president on that day. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'm going to cooperate, of course, because I'm sympathetic to the cause, but this will probably be the end of it, and I'll point her in the right direction. And during that conversation, I said, you know who you really need to talk to next is Cassidy Hutchinson. Because <laughs> she didn't have anything compelling to say, Sarah Matthews. But they put her on on TV. You know why? Because she was blonde, 25, semi-hot. And the same goes for Cassidy Hutchinson. Just like Sarah, uh, what's her name, Matthews. She didn't talk to the president that day. She didn't see anything. She didn't know anything. But they were attractive. And men were afraid to confront them about this bogus crap. The media, Republicans, just... Say anything, just look good doing it. What a freaked up country. Be right back. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. What date is today? January 3rd. 
We are back at work entirely too early, right? Doesn't it seem like it's very early in the year? Yesterday was a full-blown work has started, no more fooling around day. And I'm like, just yesterday, we were all partying our asses off. Some of us were. I wasn't, actually. But anyway, yeah, this is it. It's We're off and running. Uh, when's the uh, primary? Uh, two weeks less than. Uh, there's a uh, New Hampshire after that. And then there's a, uh, anyway, I, there's not as much anticipation. I, in some ways, I feel like the hard part is over. The hard part has already been fought. Oh, here's that silly O'Tesla commercial. You ever see that O'Tesla commercial? And the guy shows up for his date with an untucked shirt. He's, this is the new, like, it guy. This is the new hip guy, right? Skinny, jerky, um, and just sloppy, um, doesn't doesn't do the right thing by this girl, you know, right? They go to a movie on a first date, which is a really bad thing to do. Not that I'm in the dating scene much. <laughs> only kidding, only kidding. I'm not. But you don't go to a movie. Well, nobody goes to a movie, but you got to – a first date should be like a pleasant job interview. You can't, you can't make it activity-based. You know, somebody said they went on their first date. They went rock climbing, you know, one of those indoor rock climbing places. No, you have to establish a rapport first, and you do that via conversation. And by the way, guys, just ask a lot of questions, all right? Be sincere, all right? And those first dates, they will tell you everything a lot, oftentimes, everything you need to know. Every um, every problem in the relationship will have exposed itself just for a moment. If it does work out, you know, the issues that you experience and all relationships experience issues – you can go back to that first date, and they'll be they'll be apparent when you think about it. Doesn't mean that it's wrong. It doesn't mean that it shouldn't have been. No, no, no relationship is perfect. So uh, where was I going with that? Oh yeah. So you got to talk. This guy goes right to the movies, and then they come out of the movies, and then they say goodbye. And I feel like the girl put in much more effort than the dude who did not even bother to tuck in his shirt. And I know that's a thing now with the untuck it, untuck it shirts, right? I don't do that myself. Uh, untuck it, untuck it, tuck it in and wear a belt. <laughs> that sounds, uh, oh boy, sound, uh, sound like an old timer. I guess it's happening. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, we've been kind of lucky in a weird way. We have not yet had a really high-profile, horrific crime yet committed by a migrant here in New York City, an illegal migrant, right? Now, they came here unvetted. They came here illegally, and now they're here and getting all this free stuff. Sooner or later, one of them is going to do something awful, terrible. Uh, you know, just it's going to happen. And uh, who's going to be to blame for that one, hmm? A lot of blame goes around, but uh, I think nowhere more uh, than with Eric Adams. Now, who will not be blamed? Eric Adams, right? <laughs> uh, it's Governor Abbott. It's uh, it's uh, uh, Joe Biden. It's uh, it's everybody but the guy who boasted and bragged about this being a, uh, a sanctuary city and who put out the welcome mat for them and sent a signal internationally that New York was the place to come. It's also Eric Adams who antagonized. Uh, Joe Biden and uh, Governor Abbott, Republicans and Democrats are mad at him. Uh, he stands for nothing. He is nothing. Just goes around television, television, television. Look at me. Look at the suit I'm wearing. Uh, does not 
have a clue. Sooner or later, it's going to happen. It's already happening. Petty theft all over the place. And it kind of stands to reason, right? If you break the law coming into the country, you're going to be more likely to break the law once you're here. I think that's logical. Well, Greg, there's no data that actually shut up. There's all kinds of data. Open your eyes. Open your eyeballs. Oh, that reminds me, though. When you open your eyes uh, and you're trying to show how virtuous you are, you will make a mistake almost always. Hiring for diversity's sake is almost always a mistake. And you will shut down everything else. You'll only go with your eyes. What does somebody look like? What is their gender? Not what's in their head, but what's on the outside. What's on, what, what is their body? And that's how you get people like, um, well, Claudine Gay. That's how you get people like, uh, hell, Sarah Palin, right? Why, why did, why did John McCain pick her? This is a woman, right? And she is a very nice lady. No business being president of the United States, let alone vice president. Hey, this, um, this Ackman, what's wrong? Everybody okay back there? I just heard a yell. All right, everything fine? Did he quit in a huff? What We're happened? Good, don't worry. Well, there's something just happened. What was it? Rich Rich walked out and didn't close the door, and I, I was like, Rich, close the door. Oh, is that all? All right. All right. Seemed, seemed, seemed bigger than that. All right. Bill Ackman is a guy we all like. Do you know who he is? He is a New Yorker, a mega billionaire, who's not content just you know counting his billions. He wants to make a difference. And when he sees anti-Semitism and he, when he sees it at his alma mater, he calls it out. He demands change. And you know what? When you're a billionaire, you can actually make change happen quicker than a lot of other people. He put out this big essay on X. I'm going to call it X now, not Twitter. X. He said, uh, after the death of George Floyd, the already burgeoning DEI movement took off without any real challenge to its problematic ideology. Why, you might ask, was there so little pushback? The answer is that anyone who dared to raise a question which challenged DEI, excuse me, was deemed a racist, a label which could severely impact one's employment, social status, reputation, and more. Being called a racist got people canceled. So those concerned about DEI and its societal and legal implications had no choice but to keep quiet in this new climate of fear. Now, that speaks for a lot of people. It doesn't speak for me, all right? I don't care about societal status, to be honest. I don't want to. I just, I, I don't need any. I, I've already been called a racist, a rapist, you name it. I've been called it. I, I get called it all the time. There is such a freedom when you've been called the worst things in the world. And when you're called the worst things in the world a lot every day, it's literally water off the back. It doesn't matter. Uh, let's see here. The techniques that DEI has used to squelch the opposition are found in the red scares and McCarthyism of decades past. If you challenge DEI, justice will be swift, and you may find yourself unemployed, shunned by colleagues, canceled, and or you will otherwise put your career and acceptance in society at risk. Well, that is true. And I, you know what? I'm blessed with wonderful employers who, uh, you know, stand for freedom. And know that this is a lot of what's happening right now is lunacy, is idiocy, and we're not all racist. You know, racism is a terrible thing. Judging people by what they can't control, a white person can't control being white. They were born that way. Neither can a black person. They were born that way. You, you're born a certain way. And I really feel the sting of it. In a weird way, it's made me kind of, I don't know, more empathetic with anybody who's ever been judged for things they can't control. I feel greater sensitivity and awareness and like about 
race discrimination than ever before, in part because, yeah, I've been discriminated against. And it there's a special kind of sting. It's like, you know, judge me on judge me on the stuff I say. All right. Judge me on my tweets. Judge me on this. Judge me on that. Judge me on the output. Judge me on the content. But to just take one look at me when I walk in the door and say, next, you know, I'm not applying or I wasn't applying for modeling jobs. Right. It had nothing to do with my package. It had to do with um, the content of my character. Boy, the left, you know what they don't like anymore? You know what they never talk about? Martin Luther King. They roll their eyes at Martin Luther King. And actually, when is MLK Day? Monday, right? Is it Monday or a week from Monday? We got to go bananas for Martin Luther King. That guy was great. He was fantastic. And uh, the stuff he said and how he got things done, he wasn't perfect. No man is perfect. But he was terrific. And um, he deserves a day, you know, for a long time. But now we see, we we see, we see the difference. We see what he was standing for, what he stood for, and what today's woke left. Oh gosh, Martin Luther King would have no home, no home whatsoever, in this uh, left wing toxic stew that's all around us. What's the other thing we wanted to take care of today? Uh, well, I get to that. Irene is in New Jersey. Hello. Oh, hi. So I was going to talk about something else, but then I heard you talk about the young women. And I really think it's pretty small of you to call them goofy. I mean, they were all Trump staff women. Excuse me. Excuse me. Did you see the interview? Did you see them giggling and laughing and looking at each other? I can definitely call them goofy when they're acting goofy. That was goofy. Did you see that? Did you actually watch it, Irene? Yes, I absolutely watched it. And you know who's really goofy? Laura Trump, trying to be a singer, wearing a wannabe hooker dress. Hey, hold on a second, hold on a second. Laura Trump, I would love it if you're so into the Sunday talk shows. What you've got to do is watch Laura Trump in a combative interview with, say, uh, Jake Tapper. Jake Tapper always tries to bust her chops, and he always gets annihilated by Laura Trump. Laura Trump will be a United States senator. All right. Someday might even be a governor, governor of North Carolina. Who knows? Her future is unlimited. And you know what? Oh, you're giving you want to give her you want to call the radio station to give Laura Trump a hard time for singing a song on social media. Social media is where you go to try things, experiment. You call it a hooker dress. I find it very offensive that you would say that about her. I find that very offensive that you would say what a revealing dress. Hello. Have you seen what's going on in the world today? All right, Irene. I uh, I see we're at odds here. Anything else you want to say? Any other any other criticisms? Yes, because you're calling these intelligent women who worked hard in the White House. What makes you say? What makes? What makes you say they're intelligent? Just tell me what. what, Other than other because you're what you're doing is you're falling for what the left fell for. Actually, what the left saw, they saw presentable women, right? They saw professional looking women that they could actually get to do their bidding. Now, Cassidy Hutchinson, you know, hardworking women in the White House. I, you know, I don't care about who works at the White House. I care about the president. You know where Cassidy Hutchinson, tell me where Cassidy Hutchinson worked before she worked at the White House. Uh, Greg, who hired them? Irene, who Irene, hired Irene, I know this is, this is the point of actually Washington. I made this point earlier. Washington runs with 20, is run by 20-somethings. 
And I've been saying this for years. My father first noticed it back in the 90s when he was the uh, undersecretary of the Treasury. There were 28-year-olds working at the deputy chief of staff's office telling, trying to tell him what to do. That didn't work. All right. But that is the Washington, D.C. culture. You know, these jobs only pay like forty, forty five thousand dollars a year. You're not going to get a 55 year old old Washington hand to do these jobs. Now, the answer to my question, which you don't know the answer to, Irene, uh, her very first job was at the White House after college was at the White House. So it really is an indictment of the entire system, which Donald Trump did not invent. It is there now. It was there before Donald Trump arrived. You know, he was naive in a certain uh, regard, in a certain sense. He thought that the people would work with him for the betterment of the country. Sure, there's politics and there's it can be adversarial. But he never really thought that they would try to sabotage his entire administration, even from within. So they were goofy, and not only goofy, Irene, deceptive. Very, very deceptive and greedy. Absolutely. And I, it's, it's categorically proven that, um, what's her name? Cassidy Hutchinson in particular was lying. The other one, let's see here. Let's see. Let me, where are those girls? Where are those girl clips that we had earlier? Play the one of, um, play the one of Sarah, Sarah, cut 22. I honestly thought that that was going to be the end of it. I thought that, mm, you know what? I don't have anything that's super compelling. I didn't talk to the president on that day. So I thought, I'm going to cooperate, of course, because I'm sympathetic to the cause, but this will probably be the end of it, and I'll point her in the right direction. And during that conversation, I said, you know who you really need to talk to next is Cassidy Hutchinson. (laughs) Now, the only thing is she actually admits she had nothing compelling to say. She did not speak to the president that day. She didn't see the president that day. That didn't matter. They put her on uh, national television, right, saying what she saw on television. The same thing with Cassidy Hodgson, did not see anything. The only thing she saw or says she saw was ketchup on the wall, which somebody told her President Trump threw his hamburger at the wall. Funny thing about Cassidy Hutchinson, a lot of what she said was actually truthful, but it was meaningless. It was absolutely meaningless. Let me see here. There's Cassidy. Cut 24, please. I think I had told you you should consider talking before it ultimately came together. Yeah. Uh, Alyssa did reach out in early October 2021. So this was about a month before I was formally subpoenaed. And I was at this really delicate point in my so-called journey in all of this where I, I really wanted to come forward. Her so-called journey, very suspicious, so-called journey, because she's trying to explain why she was sending emails to her friends about what a crock January 6th was and the investigation. Then she says this, cut 25. But I also had concerns about it. I didn't know if there would be any lasting implications. And ultimately, I told Alyssa that I would talk to Liz Cheney if it meant that I wouldn't be subpoenaed because I I had been on the Mar-a-Lago payroll for several months and I hadn't found another job yet. So I didn't have a lot of I, I didn't have money to pay for an attorney. Uh, and then I was subpoenaed a month later. <laughs> <laughs> she laughs again. You know, I read her old book, and she does go on and on and on about, like, how important she was. And she told Ron DeSantis to get lost at some point, And she told somebody else, Senator Tom Cotton, to go home. You can't see the chief of staff. Yet she doesn't know how to hire a lawyer. She was totally, totally inept, according to her her, her own words, her own book. Any, I, anyway, Irene, that's why I think they're goofy. Um, 
How about you? What's up with you? Uh, well, what I'd like to say, I don't know why you're calling them deceptive. When you're 24, as you say, how are you going to get a top lawyer? So there's that, number one. No, 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 number no, no, two. no, 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 no. You see, you haven't read the book. You, I mean, that's okay. I, I don't recommend, I don't, re- I, I don't recommend you read the book. But when you, you see, if you read the book, you will see that she is in the middle of the administration, according to her, calling the shots, telling Ron DeSantis, go home, you can't be here, right? She's the toughest girl in the world. And then she leaves the White House. She's still getting paid by Mar-a-Lago, which is weird. She's not working, which is also weird. And then she is completely and totally overwhelmed with getting a lawyer. Now, for a half day of deposition, when you are not the target of the investigation, you could get a lawyer. We we get a lawyer. You could get a lawyer by three o'clock. All right, it's it's two forty seven right now, Irene. You could, and you actually say, "Well, she's twenty four. How could she get a lawyer?" Hey, she's an adult, an adult. I, I, they're getting way too much credit for being, and you're getting all defensive about it. How can you call them goofy? Would you have a problem if I called some man goofy? If I called him right? No, I don't know why. This is what they counted on. That women, they're women and they're young, so it's somehow you're not supposed to uh, criticize them. You're not supposed to critique them. Uh, not around here, Irene. I let it rip, but thanks for the phone call. Oop, we're out of time. Be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So, um... Let's see here. Vice President Harris has kicked off 2024 with a trip to Nevada. Thank you, fake news. Ooh, also kicking off 2024, Joe Biden will give a major speech on January 6th in which he will call Trump a threat to democracy. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> just like last year, just like yesterday, just like whatever. Um, hey, there's going to be a new commercial at the Super Bowl. Hey, when's the Super Bowl? I guess it's coming up. Anyway. Uh, this is the uh, this is uh, United Airlines. They're looking for new pilots. Now I got to tell you something about this uh, commercial. Um, everybody in it. <laughs> well, let me just go ahead and play it. All right, it's a very cool commercial. It's very cool, up until a point. Go ahead. Uh, you won't be able to see it, but they're hanging around airplanes and doing exciting stuff. Go ahead. So, you want to become a pilot? It's easy. It's just 14 years of obsession, rigorous training, and learn a new language. Then put in 1,500 flight hours. It's simple. Learn aerodynamics, physics, meteorology, and add being a mom. Here, it's just another day in the office. The work doesn't even stop there. You have to pass test. After test. After test. There's a pilot shortage out there, and only the best can fix it. That's why I'm here. I'm here. And we're here. You'll need imagination. Not many pilots look like me. Stop! That's the part. That's the part where they lose me. Everything is very, very cool, right? Playing. I like it. The emphasis on hard work. you got to pass tests. you got to be the best. And then, uh, yeah, not many pilots who look like me. She happens to be a person of color, right? I mean, I just... The idea, though, is it discrimination because there aren't many pilots? I I can't stand that look-like-me stuff. Nobody at that entire airline, honey, looks like you. Everybody's different. Know what I mean? We shouldn't. Hey, it's bad enough we're cutting corners at the University of uh, Harvard. Are we going to cut it at the uh, uh, airlines, uh, United Airlines? 
I like calling it University of Harvard, by the way. That was funny. Uh, let's do this. Uh, Wendy, hello. Yeah. Yeah. Hey there. Good afternoon. Hello. Well, let's hope we don't get any DEI pilots. Yeah, I know. That's no. the. Yeah. So what else? Right. So the, the problem that I had with the president of Harvard is that when you have DEI hirees, they're often mediocre. And guess what? Mediocre employees hire other mediocre employees because why would they want to hire anyone better than themselves? Mm. And then I understand that in her past year that she had something to do with the firing of a very competent black economics teacher at Harvard because he had um, a study that proved to be unwoke for them. Unwoke, Maybe huh? Maybe they should hire him back. I got to look yeah. into that. Thank you, Wendy. Uh, interesting. Uh, let's see here. Nate in the Bronx. All right, never mind, Nate. You got to be quick around here. Jeff in Manhattan. Hey, hey, Greg. I just wanted to comment on um, Roger Stone's uh, recipe there for that really tasty martini, right? Mm. So, like, um, I'm sitting in a strip mall waiting for somebody to go into Home Depot, and there happens to be a liquor store and a pizza place. And I was thinking while listening to him describe that, like, I'm going to go in there, grab a bottle of the finest vodka they have, and make a really delicious martini tonight. What do you say? Ah, well, look, I, uh, I don't, I'm not a big drinker anymore. I, you know, as nice as it sounded, uh, what, what it's a Wednesday night. You really want to do that on a Wednesday night? Just one? Uh, I don't know. One is, uh, what do they say? One is too much, but never enough. Something like that. I don't know. I mean, look, it's up to you. It's free country. Really, uh, really, uh, like, uh, thirsty for one, I should say. Are you a drinker? Do you drink? Could you drink in moderation? Can you, can you, you know? Not really a drinker. If I have, like, maybe two or three beers a month. Yeah, you know, keep it at that. I, I wouldn't go experimenting with the martini. As nice as it sounded, uh, you know, it'll, it'll give you a headache. And, uh, you know, it's not like Richard Nixon is making it for you. You know, if you ever run into Roger Stone and he's making martinis, by all means, have one. But, uh, I wouldn't recommend it. Go to, what was your choice again? The pizza place or the liquor store? Stay out of the liquor store. Jeff, thank you very much. And I think we're just about out of time. Yeah, I got to go. Um, so interesting. Very interesting. Hey, thanks to President Trump. He looks at that Roger Stone best dressed list. Thanks to Roger Stone. I'm on the best dressed list. And, uh, I think that's really, really great. I am so, uh, let's see here. What did he say again? Uh, that I keep it simple. I do. I keep it very, very simple. I don't have a lot of uh, flourishes on my wardrobe. I just, uh, all right, where is this damn thing now? I can't find it. I. Uh, he said, shoot, 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 shoot. One second. Here we go. Here we go. Here. I can't find it. Anyway, it says that I'm the best dressed guy at WABC, except for Larry Kudlow. <laughs> okay. We're both on the list. If anybody's wondering, Tom Ford off the rack. Many thanks. Thanks.